Chapter 6 The Holy Spirit in His Relation to the Church And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Acts chapter 2 verse 47 In the honest endeavor that we properly make to live the Christian life, and in the end receive a reward from the hand of the Master, thereby not missing our crown, the Holy Spirit is our helper more than all others. He is certainly to be considered to be the director and leader of our church life. We do not need to expect any great outpouring of the Holy Spirit as long as His leadership is ignored, and without this high spiritual atmosphere we may expect as individuals no special victories. On the day of Pentecost, two great events occurred. The first was the exaltation of Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father. Scripture This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Acts 2, verse 32. The other was the outpouring of the Spirit, because Jesus had been raised up and exalted. The point is that Christ, as our head, had the Holy Spirit poured out upon Him, thus receiving Him in trust for the body. It naturally follows that what the head has received, the members of the body have a right to claim. Since that day, in the plan of God, the Holy Spirit has been the administrator of the affairs of the church, and He is here to make Christ real to every believer. If Jesus had tarried with us in the flesh, and I had claimed His presence, He would have been denied to you. But now that He is present in the Spirit, we may all have Him and lay claim to His presence, and the love of God may be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. He is in a real sense the representative of Christ, and there can be no other. The Son of God is today at the right hand of God, representing the church, and the Spirit of God should be enthroned and exalted in the church, representing the risen Christ. He is to counsel her, guide her, and control her. Basically, He is to govern all things in the church, from the smallest things to the greatest. The Scriptures are evidence that He has a message for the church. It is generally believed that the epistles to the seven churches in the book of Revelation contain the prophetic setting forth of the church's history, including its declines and recoveries, its failures and returns. It is believed by many that we have come to the Laodicean period of history, of the last days of the church. Seven times we have the expression repeated, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. For example, Revelation chapter 2, verse 29. It is to be noted that this expression is used after each of the churches had backslidden. Ephesus had left her first love. Smyrna was rich and likely to be proud. Pergamus was touched with the doctrine of Balaam. Thyatira was influenced by Jezebel. Sardis had a name to live and was dead. Philadelphia had but little strength. Laodicea was neither hot nor cold. The real cure for backsliding in the church is that which comes to us by the Holy Spirit of the revelation of God's will and the interpretation of God's word. The church is a called-out body. We were chosen in Him before the world's foundation, 
Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. And we are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. For that is what the Bible says. Jesus is in heaven, directing the work of the church, but the Holy Spirit is here carrying out the plan. This plan extends to the smallest details of the life of the church. He has ordained the offices we must have and the kind of men we must lay hold upon to fill them. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men, and he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8 and verses 11 and 12. The church is really the habitation of God. Hear what the scriptures have to say. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. If He is dwelling in us, we must be careful of our church life, for we may both grieve Him and quench Him by the way we live and work. Many things are done today in the church that may commend themselves to men yet fall entirely short of the approval of God. As an illustration, Peter, standing up with the 120, spoke of the departure of Judas and declared that someone must be chosen in his place. Prayer was offered, a vote was taken, and Matthias was elected. Acts chapter 1, verses 15 through 26. However, there was no indication that this election was ever approved by the Lord for Matthias at once sinks out of sight. Two years later, the Lord called Saul of Tarsus to fill the vacancy. Paul said this about himself. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Galatians chapter 1 verse 1. The church was established by signs and wonders. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise, like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders, and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 4. There was no church in the Old Testament. This is the opinion of many Bible teachers. In Acts chapter 2 verse 41 we read, So then, those who had received His word were baptized, and that day there were added about three thousand souls, some versions have added unto them, and the unto them is written in italics, 
so that the original is, there were added about three thousand souls. But we must add to something when we add, so in Acts chapter 2 verse 47 we read, And the Lord was adding, to the church or to their number, day by day those who were being saved. But there is still a better explanation. In Acts chapter 5 verse 14 we read that they were added to their number, or even better, added to the Lord. This is Paul's understanding of the church. Christ is the head and the church is his body. We are being called out now from the Gentile world. Every new soul won for Christ comes in to complete the body. Someday, the last person will come in and the skies will brighten with the return of the Lord. It is this that gives one the passion for soul winning. It is this thought that furnishes the inspiration for the foreign missionary. The church is a called-out body, and the missionary is sent to Africa, to China, to Japan, and all around the world so that they may work in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in leading souls to Christ. May God quickly bring the day when the last member of the body will be found. The Church is Enlightened by the Spirit The Spirit is the breath of God in the body of His Church. If His rule is not followed, it naturally results that His life is shut out. It is like a man suffering from pneumonia. Someone who is unaccustomed to such scenes declares that the man needs more air, but the truth is that he does not need more air at all, but he needs more of his lungs to be filled with air. We do not need more of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit should have more of the church. Sometimes, because his rule is not followed, he somewhat withdraws himself and allows the forms to stay, but the power is departed. The oil is gone, but the lamp is there. There are churches where prayer is offered, the Bible is read and people religiously attend church, and there is positively not even the resemblance of power. They are described in the words of Scripture as, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Revelation chapter 3 verse 1. They remind us of the guard, found in the excavated city of Pompeii. He stood with his helmet and his armor on, and his bony finger clasping his spear, yet not living. It is just the same with the church. A little thing at first may result in loss of power in the entire church. A wrong financial policy might do it. A spirit of criticism might accomplish it. There is an insidious disease which slowly and secretly turns the vital organs of the body to bone. It begins by ossifying little fragments of tissue here and there. No medical skill can arrest its progress. Nature is perverted from her healthy process of assimilating and nutrition to the creation in the system of nothing but bone. What should be life to muscle and nerve and sinew and arteries turns to solid and lifeless bone. At length, the heart is reached, and vital parts of it become bone, and its beautiful work of pulsation by which life is sent in red streams to the very tips of the fingers ceases, and death ensues. Such is the moral induration which the sensibilities of a soul suffer when long appealed to by the services of religion to which it will not give back a throb of responsive feeling. 
If the church is to be governed by the Holy Spirit, every office-bearer in the church should be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Ministers should be filled. Paul gives an illustration of one phase of this truth. Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, You who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Acts chapter 13 verses 9 through 12. The Holy Spirit only fills the person whose desire is to honor Christ. Philosophy, poetry, art, sociology, and ethics are well enough in their places, but their place is not in the pulpit. The Holy Spirit has pledged Himself to witness only to the story of Jesus and the resurrection. Paul thought this whole thing out, and while he was educated in all the learning of the day, he said, We preach Christ crucified, to Jews a stumbling block, and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 through 24. Peter is another illustration. Scripture. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, Acts chapter 4, verse 8. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 11, verses 15 through 16. I do not know of anyone in the New Testament scripture furnishing us a better argument for the use of the word of God in preaching than Peter himself. Take the sermon at Pentecost, if you will. It is simply a string of texts of Scripture. If you would ask, but is this all he said? I answer, the words of Scripture are all that the Holy Spirit thought worthy to record. Peter's words would have passed away with his own generation. The Word of God abides forever. Stephen provides an illustration of the fact that to be filled with the Holy Spirit does not always mean human success. Scripture The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying they laid their hands on them, the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Acts chapter 6, verses 5-8 through eight, and chapter 7, verse 55. 
someone might be filled with the Spirit and pass through the greatest disappointment of his life. Stephen was just as truly filled, although he was stoned to death, as Peter the preacher of Pentecost was. God might fill you and then test you. The great guns that are used in the defense of our country are always tested before they leave the arsenal. The position of the minister is an exalted one. Scripture, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. 1 Peter 1.12 There is not an angel in the skies today who would not leave his post of honor to take your place and mine in preaching the gospel. The position is a divine one. Scripture Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. It greatly dignifies our work to know that we are here to do just what Jesus would do if he were in our place. The message of the man of God is inspired. Scripture, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Matthew chapter 10, verse 20. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations. When they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. Mark chapter 13, verses 10 through 11. The Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Luke chapter 12, verse 12. The Holy Spirit never encourages idleness. We are not teaching the lesson that one needs to simply open his mouth and expect the Lord to fill it. But the ideal position is for everyone to be so filled with the message all the time that if he were called to speak any number of times during the day, he would always be sure that he had a message from God. Notice what the Scriptures say. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. If a man of God is saturated with his message and is in the Spirit, there will be no question as to his power in the presentation of what he has to say. Once these conditions are fulfilled, the results are guaranteed. Scripture He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Mark chapter 16 verses 15 through 18. God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles, 
and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. There is absolutely no limit to God's power. He can do all things. There is a very significant expression used in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. Scripture I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. F. B. Meyer thinks that this Yes, says the Spirit, is to be interpreted as Amen, says the Spirit, and that it is the Spirit's approval of what we have done in the name of Christ. It will be a glad day for the church when for every pastor's work the Spirit will breathe Amen, when he will say Amen for the service of every elder, deacon, and trustee, and when all the living saints will live so nearly according to God's will that at the close of each day the Spirit will say, Amen and Amen. However, the filling of the Holy Spirit is not to be confined to those who are called ministers of the gospel. Every deacon should be filled. Scripture Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word acts chapter 6 verses 3 through 4 there was a time in the history of the church when men were chosen to fill the church's offices not because of their social position or their financial ability but simply because they were men filled with the holy spirit that is the only one real test of fitness for such an office I feel very sure that we should expect a Pentecostal outpouring of the Spirit of God only when this principle is recognized. If the Holy Spirit is the life of the Church, then we are to be exceedingly careful with respect to everything that would grieve Him in the least. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 31 through 32. It is a new thought to some that the presence of bitterness or wrath or anger would grieve the Spirit, but this is indeed the case. The Holy Spirit is to work out in us that which Christ has accomplished for us on the throne. There can only be one hindrance to the working out of this plan of God, and that is found in the church itself. There is a solemn warning for all the members of the church. Do not quench the Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. Scripture But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard of it. The young men got up and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. 
Now, there elapsed an interval of about three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. Acts chapter 5, verses 3 through 9. While people may not nowadays have been struck down as Ananias and Sapphira were, yet it is true that because of the fact that we are living in a spirit that is contrary to the Holy Spirit, we become dead spiritually, if not physically. It is possible to so nearly quench the spirit that from the human standpoint there will be no life at all. Thus, while the individual member of the church may miss his reward and be saved, yet so as through fire, the same thing may be true of the church as a whole. It would be a sad thing for the bridegroom to be disappointed in his bride.